welcome back. Season two of Ingridopedia. Mm. Never announced that season one finished, but it's all good. No, well, you just kind of left the country. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, it is good to be back. We, we have had a break and we appreciate uh, all of the messages over the break uh, asking us to get our act into gear for season two. We are back. Yep. Em, where did you go? Um, went to Europe, went to Italy and Spain and France for a day. Just a day? Yeah, just France for a day, yeah. What did you eat in a day in France? Um, ate some oysters, had a champagne brunch, had some cheese, had some white anchovies on the beach. It was really good. Ice cream. Uh, do white anchovies taste better on the beach? Yeah. Okay. For sure. Um, I imagine we're going to be talking a little bit about your trip in the context of the ingredient that we're talking about uh, in this episode? Yeah, we're talking about tomatoes. And they were, yeah, one of my favourite things that I had over in Italy. Excellent. All right, well, tomatoes. So where do they come from? Uh, Not Italy, but the species originated in Central and South America. Like all good foods, it seems, it came from Central America. I feel like we talk about that a lot. Corn is another one. Um, maybe that was the only one. Corn <laughs> just definitely. really like corn. I just love corn. <laughs> uh, the Nahuatl uh, Aztec language word um, was, for the fruit was tomato, which gave rise to the Spanish word tomate, which in English became tomato. Uh, it's been around for, well, the exact date of domestication is unknown. That's how old it is. Um, but... Uh, by 500 BC, it was already being cultivated in southern Mexico, and it was introduced to Spain in the 16th century. And the most common use for it, I guess you ate a fair bit of it over in Italy, M. Um, or they can be in fresh, tinned, in pasta sauce, in tomato sauce, which is something I is very close to my heart. Uh, on pizza, the uses are myriad. We are talking tomato. <laughs> So I'm just going to come out and say it, that our tomatoes are shit. Oh, ouch. Yeah. But you probably know that in Italy, the tomatoes taste completely different. They're really rich, really sweet, really dense. Um, they don't, they're not like the watery nothingness of our tomatoes, very seedy. There's, there's something about that. Pale. Yeah, that really yeah. pale, hard tomato. Pale red I don't know if you ever went to, uh, I think it's still around, but um, the, the original proprietor um, has a steakhouse in Melbourne called Vlado's in, it, in Richmond. Yeah, I um, never went there, but I did see that it burned down. They were very famous <laughs> for their steak and not so much for their salad. The salad came out and I've never seen a paler, harder tomato. <laughs> Just cut like cut in really rough quarters mm. with some iceberg lettuce and maybe some some spring onion but I don't, don't even think that but that was probably the hardest palest most Australian <laughs> tomato I've ever eaten um very different to the one I ate just gonna show off for a second on a boat in the Amalfi coast <laughs> in a panini um with buffalo mozzarella and oregano from the guy who was driving the boat's garden mm. he also grew the grew the tomatoes himself which was part of why they tasted so good and the other reason why they tasted so good was because just been swimming and any food after you've been swimming, like the twisties in the vending machine uh, at Nut Wedding Pool, yeah. just tastes so much better. I wanted to find out why tomatoes in Italy taste so much better. And some people say it's got to do with the sun or the rich volcanic soil in Italy. And also when I was eating them, they were probably 
freshly picked off the vine, not from the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Italians have been growing tomatoes forever, so they know how to do it right. Well, well not forever since the you know 16th century, but th- that's fine. Um, and the, I read a Vox article that said in America, tomatoes are bred for everything except taste. So they're bred for uniformity, yield and durability. Mm. So, um, if they arrive at the supermarket looking good, then they make more money. Yeah. So perhaps, I don't know, perhaps a similar things happened in Australia. I didn't really go down that route, but, um, Obviously, I couldn't bring an Italian tomato back because of customs, so I um, couldn't compare them like Australian tomato to Italian tomato, so I got the next best thing, which was tinned Italian tomato to tinned Australian <laughs> tomato. So now we're going to do a tinned um, tomato test. Tin versus tin. <laughs> it's a tin off. So you can't look at the tin. Just look away right, for a okay, second. Looking away. Looking away. Um, the first tin. Okay. Tin one. Uh, just looking at it first, I've got to say it looks a little pale. Okay. Um, they're, they're chopped tomatoes, so I can really see a cross-section, and it looks a little pale. But I'll, I'll It's all taste. about taste, though. Yeah. Yeah, pretty flavoursome. All right. Yep. Next one. Uh, that's even paler, I reckon. But this is about taste. <laughs> They're very different. I prefer the flavor of the first one. Um, I'm going to go the first one was Italian. That was actually Australian. Oh. Wow. So it doesn't matter in tin tomatoes. It really doesn't. I really thought it would be the other way around. And I was pre- preparing this spiel. Like, obviously, I want the Australian tomato industry to survive. But we don't even have to prepare that now because Australian tin tomatoes are better. Well, according to me, yeah, they are heaps better. And I just can't be bothered eating diced raw tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, <so>. fair enough. <laughs> well, we've gone straight to the tin um, for the tomato episode. Um, I mean, via your boat mm-hmm. off the Amalfi Coast with a gentle old man who <laughs> grew the tomato. Okay, we didn't go straight to the tin, but we got to the tin pretty early. I want to stay in the processed mode. I don't want to talk about tin tomatoes. I want to talk about tomato ketchup. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying specifically ketchup and not tomato sauce, and that will become clear as, as the episode wears on. I, I guess there's a lot of questions about why it's called tomato ketchup, like as though like it's a fairly redundant term. Because tomato is the only ketchup? Yeah. I mean, do you eat other ketchups? Mm. No. Well, what is a ketchup? What is a tomato ketchup? And also, on that note, actually, there is another ketchup, but it's ketchup manis, which oh, is yeah. the Indonesian sweet soy sauce I grew up eating as a kid. So I got a lot of questions like, what, what's ketchup? Why do, why do we call it tomato ketchup? And also, where did ketchup manis come from? So I got directed to a blog called The Language of Food uh, by the author of a book called The Language of Food uh, named Dan Jurafsky. Uh He's a, a linguist who's looking at food. Uh, he sounds like somebody who we might enjoy hanging out with and being really boring with. Dan writes, the answer is, of course, the name tomato ketchup didn't used to be redundant. Ketchup used to be made with something other than tomatoes. The recipe for ketchup has changed quite dramatically over time. Tomatoes were only added to the recipe around 1800 and sugar even later, well after the Civil War. That's the only mention of the Civil War. He's just (laughs) mentioning that as for time as as an American writer. Um, So where modern 
ketchup is a, a, a very thick, sweet and sour chutney of tomatoes. Ketchup from 1750 to 1850 mainly meant a thin, dark sauce made of fermented walnuts or sometimes fermented mushrooms. Wow. So that's, That sounds pretty good. That's um, America 1750 to 1850. Let's go further back to an English recipe and you'll find this one from 1721. This is on Dan's blog as well. It's a really great blog post. Uh, it's called To Make English Ketchup, uh, K-A-T-C-H-U-P. And also it's like the oldie English, so all of the S's are kind of like F's without a cross, so it's really hard not to read it weird. Uh, So I'll skip through it a little bit. It sort of says, take a wide mouth bottle, um, put in your best uh, white wine vinegar, um, garlic, echelot, peeled and just, sorry, I won't do it anymore, just bruised, white wine you boil it you put in 12 or 14 anchovies Mm. Uh, now you've got me yeah and dissolve them in the wine and all sorts of things Um, a clove uh, nutmeg lemon peel horseradish but yeah 12 anchovies so this recipe from 1721 is actually based on a sauce from another part of the world good old asian fish sauce So, um, as we discussed in the anchovies episode, fish sauce is as old as Roman times uh, and was first recorded in China in 300 BC. So, fish sauce was picked up by English sailors in uh, Fujian province and taken back to England. So, the fish sauce in the southern Min dialect in the 18th century was called ketchup or getchup or quechup, depending on kind of how it's translated. So, that ketchup was brought to, back to England. So how did the um, British acquire the sauce and did the Indonesians steal it from them for their ketchup manis? Because a lot of words in Indonesian are kind of um, t- taken from other languages. It's, I mean, it's a kind of, it's a constructed language. Um, it's made out of sort of Bahasa Malay and Javanese and bits of Dutch and bits of English. But this is what blew my mind. Maybe it was the other way around and the word ketchup actually comes from the Indonesian. So stay with me. Dan writes, one possibility is that the British acquired ketchup from the Indonesians or from the Chinese in Indonesia. Evidence for this Indonesian origin uh, possibility is that the British had a trading post in Sumatra in the 1690s and that there exists an early English recipe from 1732 for ketchup in paste from the East Indies. So weird inception moment, ketchup comes from fish sauce which comes from indonesia so ketchup is actually named after ketchup manis and not the other way around you basically invented ketchup that's what you're trying to say my people invented ketchup (laughs) that's what i'm getting at i'm going to stay with tomato sauce because it's footy final season and Mm -hmm. i do like to have it on a party pie at this time of the year of course um but i just wanted to set some rules around tomato sauce usage because Mm -hmm. um i I just want to clear something up so where does it live in your house in the (laughs) cupboard or the fridge uh it lives in the cupboard yeah same yeah because lots of reasons who wants cold sauce yeah and um like I've never even thought to put it in the fridge. Well, so why the fuck would I put it in the fridge? <laughs> does it go off? It's got so much. Like, well, I did some really, research okay. because I know half the people I talk to are like, yeah, put it in the fridge. Like it's nothing. Like they've never thought to put it in the cupboard. Yeah. 
but I would never think to put in the fridge. So I did some research and there's an article by the ABC called What Foods to Refrigerate? A Debate for the Ages by John Coghill, Mary Lou Stevens and Jessica Hinchcliffe. Mm -hmm. And they interviewed a CSIRO senior food microbiologist who said that tomato sauce falls into the maybe refrigerate category. Uh. So, quote, people can have their arguments around these foods forever and ever. As a rule of thumb, look at the labelling on the food package and you'll have a use-by date and a best-before date. So things like peanut butter, tomato sauce, barbecue sauces, honey, will probably have a best-before date on them. But the best, if the best-before date is June 30, it doesn't mean it's going to make you sick on July 1. It's just a labelling requirement from a quality point of view and not a food safety point of view. Mm-hmm. So I take this as being you don't have to put it in the fridge. But then some other websites and forums seem to think that mould will grow in your sauce if you don't keep it cool um, because not keeping it in the fridge speeds up bacteria growth. Yeah. So I'm in a bit of a tough situation here because on the one hand, I don't want to eat mold and on the other hand, I don't want cold sauce Yeah. and I don't want to be a tomato sauce in the fridge person. So I checked the label on my sauce, Yeah. like that CSIRO lady said, and it says refrigerate after opening at less than four degrees. So I'm not obeying the rules here. Ooh. Then it also says used by July 2016. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's not a great look for me. And it's also a <laughs> Richmond Tigers bottle. So you can like insert your footy joke there. <laughs> um, but did check inside it and there was no mould in it. So I'm going to continue having my room temperature sauce readily available whenever I want it. Don't have to wait for it to warm up. And science or pressure from the rest of the population can't change me. Okay, we've talked tin tomatoes. We've talked tomato sauce. We've talked ketchup. Where do you stand on tomato soup, like tinned tomato um, soup, like a Heinz Big Red or a yeah. Campbell's? Usually I wouldn't go for it, but it's weirdly something I feel like when I'm sick, like it's the acidity or something. Yeah, okay. Mm. And is it a bit of a com- – because for me it's a bit of a comfort food, like yeah, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it reminds me of being at my grandma's. In winter, toasted sandwich, mm. tinned tomato soup. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm – reasonably pro i probably eat it four times a year but enough that there was a a tin in my pantry um this week which was handy um what about cooking with it in your family recipes has there ever been any kind of tomato sauce added to uh, sorry tomato soup added to you know no nothing uh, that i've made bolognese in in the five family recipes that I have ever made in my life, tomato Meat sauce, loaf. tomato soup didn't feature. Yeah, no, okay. Oh, n- no, not tomato soup. Yeah. Well, I I haven't done a lot. I think my maybe mum used to put it in bolognese sometimes, but um, it, it probably doesn't doesn't surprise me that um, when you go to the Campbell's soup website, there are literally thousands of recipes that used tin soup really? as, a, as a base. There's all sorts of things. There was, well, yeah, there was meatloaf, there was bolognese, there was like uh, chili con carne, there was... And, Seems and like of, such a finished food, like something you buy to just eat. Yeah, but I guess they're using it as a, as a sort of tomato base the way you use tin tomatoes, just a little bit supercharged, I suppose. Um, so I did, I went to the Campbell Soup website. I, I was kind of searching through soup recipes because I had this tin of soup. I'm like, I'm going to make something with this. 
um, because Emma always bakes and I never bake. Mm. And I, I found this article on the Campbell Soup website and it begins with this. About one out of every five requests our test kitchens receive for a recipe using Campbell's condensed tomato soup is for tomato soup spice cake. Interesting. Yeah. So this is a cake that dates back to 1930. Uh, it was refined over the years and has been regularly kind of in in soup recipe books since the 1940s and then updated again in the 60s. So it's got a strong kind of nostalgic pull for a lot of people. Um, it's essentially a spiced fruit cake with cinnamon, ground cloves, raisins, although I use currants because, like I said, I didn't shop for this. It was just what was, whatever was in my pantry. Um, and then your kind of regular cake things, flour, butter, sugar, um, pinch of salt, and half a tin or actually a full tin of Campbell's tomato soup. i got to admit it was Heinz Big Red that I had in the, in the pantry. So is that instead of like the milk or instead of the uh, yeah, water yeah. or something? Instead of, yeah, so that's, that's your moisture. So you cream right. your butter and sugar, you add your, your, um, your egg, and then you add... Um, some tomato soup that's got baking soda in it, um, which gives it a tiny little bit of a fizz, and it makes this fruit cake. So it's not presented so beautifully tonight, but there I really it is. like fruit cake. It's but uh, this looks very orange. It's it's quite <laughs> orange. Now I did a little kind of blind taste test um, of a few a few people today. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see if they could tell what the mystery ingredient is. So you tell me how strongly you taste the tomato soup. I can't really taste it. No? Um, Stay with a it. A little bit, yeah. Stay it with it. It kind of comes after. Let it, <laughs> just let it come. <laughs> just let it, stay with it. Because i got to say, this cake is. It tastes really weird. Do I mean, do you, like straight up though, did you kind of like it? Um, not as much as a normal fruit cake. Okay. No offense. Cause yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Um, I see, I liked it more than I thought I would mm. up front. I mean, it's very, it's, it's got kind a of fair bit of clove in there and sort of allspice and it's, you know, it's really sweet and acidic cakey. at the end. It's, yeah. It's, it like really yeah. lingers and then it feels like you've eaten tomato soup. It's the, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, for me, and I don't know if you agree with this, Em, but for me, the tomato soup cake verdict is taste. 6.5 or 7 out of 10. It's a pretty good cake. Aftertaste. I got to go like <laughs> 1 out of 10. Yeah. Like it really lingers and you I don't know if it's like MSG or something mm. in it or it just it really hangs around and you've just had a mouthful. I I Well, what are the ingredients of the tomato soup that you put in? Cuz I mean, then they're like the secondary ingredients. So it might be like garlic uh, or uh, I think it's just t- tomatoes a heap of different salts and emulsifiers and yeah. Weird. Well. So I'm sorry. I should have warned you. you I'll will wrap be, it up in glad wrap and take it to work tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. You'll be tasting tomato <laughs> soup for the next 24 hours. So I guess another way to eat tomatoes is semi-sun-dried tomatoes. <laughs> yes. Um, You're really classing it up. Yeah. You? <laughs> You're bringing it back from tin soup. <laughs> Um, which I used to love when I was at school. I thought that they were gourmet as, mm. and 
I used to make cheese platters with my friends after school. They were always a feature. Just when I came home from school without my friends, I had crackers and cheese with one side sun-dried tomato per cracker. Can I just back up there? So friends would come over after school and you'd make a cheese platter with semi-dried tomatoes. It was more like we would hang around at the shops and buy cheese and platter ingredients and then we'd come home and make it. But yeah. Okay. And was it like a Jats? Would, would you be using a Jats or a Clicks? Uh, I don't really know. Maybe no, a captain's I, table? None of the above. I think I went the rice, just rice crackers, like, um, I think, yeah, mm. plain rice crackers. Plain rice crackers. Okay, sure. Um, anyway, I used to love them and my mum always had them in the fridge and so just readily available all the time. Then something happened and I started to hate them and they were only appearing in shitty roast vegetables focaccias at the um, food court or in the worst cafes of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically I've been trying to pinpoint the exact moment that sun-dried tomatoes became uncool. Mm. And I remembered that I stopped eating them due to the great sun-dried tomato scare of 2009. Ah, yeah. Do you remember that? Very, yeah. There was like a salmonella or... Hepatitis outbreak. Hepatitis. Yeah, linked to semi-sun-dried tomatoes. So I found the article in the Australian that was written on November 2, 2009, and it says, hepatitis outbreak linked to semi-dried tomatoes. Victorian health authorities have renewed their warnings over links between semi-dried tomatoes and an outbreak of hepatitis following a further 23 cases of the infectious disease diagnosed in the past week. Which is pretty full on. Mm. So that turned me off them. But I was trying to work out, did sun-dried tomatoes become uncool because of the hepatitis scare or was I just really uncool eating them all the way up until then when they were out of fashion like 10 years ago or so? Mm. So I did some data journalism (laughs) and I went into Google Google Trends, I think it's called, where you type in keywords and show their use over time. If you type in sun-dried tomatoes, it actually shows a decline. I'll show you my graph. It's ah, like a steady decline, a steady decline since um, records began in 2004. Mm. And just to make you vomit, the related queries were pasta salad, stuffed chicken breast, and quinoa. <laughs> <laughs> and I also put the call out to my friends to see if they knew the exact moment when the decline in sun-dried tomatoes happened. And they seem to think that the death of sun-dried tomatoes was linked to the death of focaccia. Mm. So I looked up focaccia in Google Trends. Yeah. And focaccia's been trending upwards since 2004. Whoa. Put your money on I focaccia. Know. That is an upward, upward trend. <sighs> I'm opening a focaccia pop-up focaccia restaurant. So my conclusion is sun-dried tomatoes must actually be cool again. So I bought some okay. just to check. And um, there they are. Wow. Yeah, they look cool. Okay. They're okay. from the deli at the supermarket. Yeah. So Let's they're unpasteurized. Filthy. They're still filthy. Yeah, they're that really is absolutely filthy. Dead. Oh, God. I'm, I'm really not going to be sampling from my own <laughs> wares at my focaccia barn. Oh, but thanks for bringing them in. You can taste the hepatitis A. <laughs> Goes well with your cake. <laughs> all right, let's not forget that this podcast, while it's all fun and games, it's a competition. Mm. 
we forgot to mention that again. We did, we forgot to mention <laughs> it at the start. We'll mention it now. That uh, Emily and I are trading facts back and forth uh, across these three rounds, as you will have heard. Uh, and you get to go and choose on social media, on Instagram, um, who was more interesting, who was better. And I'm a bit worried, based on the choice of facts tonight, that I will be regarded by our primarily Australian listeners, and thank you to all the people who aren't in Australia for listening as well, um, for being un-Australian, because I talked about tomato ketchup, and you mm. talked about tomato sauce. Yeah. So I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to talk about tomato sauce. I'm just going to swap some things around. I had heap of facts, but maybe, I'm going to go with this one. Maybe we should have changed the ingredient to tomato sauce. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> to some sort of preserved, <laughs> shitty supermarket tomato. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to talk about good old Australian tomato sauce so that I don't get accused of being un-Australian. I'm just going to play this song uh, from the film Where a Weird Mob is performed by John uh, Melion, who was also the uh, the voice of the Victoria Bitter Ads for many years. So all of our Australian listeners should automatically love me. Hot pie and tomato sauce The same again for the second course From Perth to Sydney They all endorse that Hot pie and tomato sauce So we clearly have an affection for the the tomato sauce in, in So is Australia. that an ad in that, this No, that's a, it's a uh, No, no, it's just a song from the movie oh. it's, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a movie about Well, based on a, on a book Um about uh, new, newly arrived uh, mm, immigrants. I've read about it, but I haven't seen it. Um, so it's kind of, it's all about Australian culture in the uh, 1960s. So this was, yeah, 1967. Um, so we, we've got a clear kind of love affair with tomato sauce, but not ketchup for some reason. And the distinction between the two is really not clear. I did some digging around, like what's the difference, you know, tomato sauce versus ketchup. And some people were saying uh, ketchup's got more vinegar and it's thicker. Um, other people are saying ketchup is spicier, tomato's thinner. There, there was no real kind of... I never even knew there was a difference. Well, I just thought one was the American word and one was the... That's pretty much what it is. Um, which is why in 2010, uh, Heinz made headlines in the wrong ways. They first advertised ketchup on Australian TV. And it didn't go down well. So this is from a 2010 article uh, on news.com. The term tomato sauce could be lost to future Aussies with Heinz for the first time advertising ketchup on TV. In a move Dick Smith labelled disrespectful (laughs) to the Australian culture, Heinz has unveiled a new national ad for tomato ketchup, which they say is thicker and has spices and more tomatoes than tomato sauce. So Heinz, I guess, are backing that up. They don't give a stuff about Australian culture or our way of life, Mr. Smith said. I mean, it should be noted that Mr. Smith had a competing product. Um, what year was that? Dick Sauce, I think it was called or something. Uh, 2010. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was... Uh, and I, I look, in some ways, it, it is, as the song kind of attests, it's really wrapped up in our culture. And we have a long history with tomato sauce. Uh, Rosa- Rosella tomato sauce uh, commenced production in 1899 in... Um, a backyard in Carlton before they um, settled into their uh, iconic factory in, in Richmond in Melbourne. By Actually ni- in Cremorne. In Cremorne, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's got the same postcode, so it's Richmond. Uh, and by 1919, it was being exported to China, India and Africa. And in fact, according to Rosella from their website, um, so grain of salt, 
Uh, they say, it played an important part in the growth of Australia from a largely agricultural economy to a manufacturing one. So there's a, no wonder we love it so much. But we love it so much that it has also apparently spurred our greatest innovation, the best Australian invention. And no, don't go with your hills hoists and your cochlear ear <laughs> um, implants and, oh, or, your, or your Victor... Is it rotary lawnmower? The bunning sausage? <laughs> that's pretty close. No, it's those squeezy tomato sauce packets. Oh, that's right. The yeah. internet blew up earlier this year when a US Reddit user discovered our tomato sauce squeezy packets. Now, um, this is a podcast, so you'll have to picture as I talk about it, the kind that kind of fold in half and squeeze a kind of directional flow of precision tomato sauce. You can even shoot it inside your pie or up mm. under the surface of your sausage roll, if you so choose. Um, this Reddit user referred to it, uh, referred to them as magical fucking sauce packets. <laughs> uh, and there's a video, an accompanying video. This is from a, a BuzzFeed article about the Reddit group about the video. Um, so it's the internet eating itself a little bit. But this is... This is a video, it goes for 11 seconds. I'll explain what's happening because there's no dialogue, but he's got a master food squeezy tomato sauce packet, squeezing it on some scrambled eggs. And there the sauce goes on. That video has two th uh, <laughs> 214,632 views. Just some sauce being squirted onto scrambled eggs. That's how much we love sauce. Um, and just uh, to um, put a name to this innovation, according to the Powerhouse Museum, again, this was in, in that BuzzFeed article, uh, they've got the original kind of patent of the, uh, of the tomato sauce. Uh, it's 9150 packaging to food tomato sauce plastic, inverted commas, master food squeeze mate, is that, that's the proper name for it, Australia, made by Conoflex Packaging, designed by Sanford Redmond, 19... 90. You don't really see them around that much anymore, though. Do you well, reckon? Uh, like at the footy, don't they just have like the big sauce bottles that you have to squeeze in and they're all filthy? Yeah. And you have to like deal with I other people. I think they do with the footy. But I think the, the funny thing is that um, I think they started charging. There was a lot of comments on this Reddit group about, yeah, they're good, but, you know, why am I paying 20 cents for it? I think you still do see them around, but the uh, – the Sanford Redmond, okay, that's a packaging company. Let's say I, I was going to say Sanford Redmond, we salute you, but it's, it seems to be a packaging company. And just giving him a quick Google, maybe I should have checked this before I went to the mic on this one. They are in Connecticut, in the United States. <laughs> but uh, it, we're claiming it anyway. Me, Australia, Australia is great. Tomato sauce. Let's go back to John Mellion. So what did we talk about? Um, I talked about why our tomatoes are shit and Italian tomatoes are better. I talked about the origins of ketchup. And then I decided some rules around where you keep your tomato sauce. And then I made a cake with tomato soup in it. And then I tried to work out when sun-dried tomatoes became uncool. 
and I brought it back home with a great big Aussie tomato sauce. Vote for me. <laughs> Come on, Aussie top Aussie Shearer sauce. <laughs> so you can vote for who you thought was the most interesting on Instagram. Our account is Ingredipedia. And there'll be a picture for me and a picture for Ben. So you like the one that you thought was the best, even though I should win based on the technicalities. Uh, and it's good to be back. Thank you for, uh, yeah, the, the kind words over the break. Uh, and we'll, we'll be back every couple of weeks talking about a different Wait a second. Ingredient. Got a housekeeping thing. Oh, housekeeping. When I came back from Europe, oh. somewhat, I had a slip that I had to go to the post office and get a package. So I sent Pat, my boyfriend, to go and pick it up. And he's like, I wonder what it is. And I unwrapped it. And it's a sweet potato. And on the sweet potato and permanent marker, it says, have a sweet birthday, as you can see here. And I don't know who sent it to me. I used the potato freaking me sending out. service that we talked about in the potato episode. Yeah. So um, please make yourself known. Because <laughs> I'm a bit, because I'm a bit scared. Um, thank you. Thank you to all of our strange and <laughs> creepy listeners.